Welcome to COTK Online. It is great to be with you today. I really love this series called The Blessed Life because the fact of the matter is that everybody wants to be blessed. And God's heart is for us to walk in blessing and trust Him. And so today, what we're talking about is the blessed test. So here's what I want you to know, that money is a test of your heart. I'm I'm talking about money today because here's the truth and here's the test, that, that God's testing you in this. Will you love money or will you trust and love him? The Bible very clearly tells us that the love of money is the root of all evil. There's nothing wrong with money. Money's amoral. That means it's without morality. It's either good or bad. You know this. You, in, in, in your account right now, with your credit card or online, you can purchase something that is great for you. You can go and purchase, I don't know, you can purchase groceries for your neighbor. Or you can purchase stuff that you have no business purchasing and know that it would be detrimental for you to do it. See, money is simply an option. And the test that God has for you in money, are you going to love money and trust in money? Or are you going to love and trust him? Let me just remind you that money is dispersed all through the Bible. There are approximately a little north of 500 verses on prayer. In the Bible, there's a little more than 500 verses on faith in the Bible, but there are over 2,000 scripture verses that are about money. In fact, out of Jesus's 38 parables, stories that he he told to tell like biblical truths and, and God truths, out of those 38, 16 were about money. Why is that? Because money is in our lives and how we handle it is a direct reflection of what we value. I can know what you value simply by looking at your online bank statement. And you can know that too, because we value houses. That's why people pay rent. That's why people have mortgages. We value transportation. That is why people have car payments and pay for an awful lot for gasoline. We value, you name it. It's going to show up. Why? Because money is a revealer of what's important in our life. And God's heart for you is not to be a pauper. It's for you to understand your source. Because here's the the lie about money. Here's the lie about money, that money is going to provide four things for you. Security. If I just had enough money, I I would be secure and I wouldn't have to worry. That's a lie. Remember, God is a God of abundance. God is abundant. The devil, he got a budget. And his budget is used to... So seeds of lies in your life so that you feel like you are only secure if you have lots of money. So the lie of money, four things. The first one, it brings security. The second one is that it brings freedom. If I just had enough money, I could do, I could be, name it. What is it? The third, the third lie about money, you know, if, if I had enough money, I'd have significance. Would you be significant if you had money? Would that make you significant? I have significance. I look at me. You've probably been around people that have some money, they've done well, but maybe they've not done so well internally, and they think because of what they possess or how much money or net worth they have that they are significant. I have a question for you if you've been around those people like that. Are they fun to be around? Do they look happy? But this is the lie of money, that it provides security, it provides freedom, it provides significance, 
it provides power. If I had enough money, I could, this is what I could do. What, what would you do? Hopefully it'd be good. But you've heard the old adage that, hey, wow, you know, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And the love of money, but the lie and the love of money is the root of all evil, but the lie of money if I had it, I'd have security, I'd have freedom, I'd have significance, and I'd, I'd have power. But Jesus says this in Luke 16. He says, if you're faithful in little things, you'll be faithful in large ones. But if you're dishonest in little things, you'll, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you're untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you in the true riches of heaven? So, do you love and put your trust and your hope and your peace and money? Or do you trust God? This is the test. Jesus says this in Matthew 6. I love Matthew 6. I title it just personally like the worry chapter because Jesus talks about the things that everybody worries about. And this is what he says in Matthew 6, verse 24. He says, no one can serve two masters. For you'll hate the one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Does money have a grip on your heart? Are you, are you constantly wanting more? Last week we talked about the mindsets, the mindset of the bag. So many people who feel like everything just, it's a bag with holes. I put, I put, I put my, my money in a, in a bag with holes and it just, it just goes away. I don't, and they are so focused on money. They don't, they don't have a lot of it, but they're enslaved to money, even though they're living with hardly any of it. And then there's those who never have enough, even though they have millions and millions and millions. It's never enough. Both of those ends of the spectrum, whether it's poverty, I don't have enough and I never will, or I'm a billionaire, but I still never have enough. Both, both ends of that, that spectrum are enslaved to money. So how are you doing with the test and the money test? <laughs> Ecclesiastes 5.10. Gosh, I love the book of Ecclesiastes. It says this in 5.10. Those who love money will never have enough. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. Wealth can bring temporal comfort, but it never brings true happiness or joy. That is a gift from the Lord that's given to someone who understands who he is. They're grateful and surrendered, and they understand who they are, and they've submitted to his word, his will, his way. So the title of the message is The Blessed Test. And here it is. Will you give God your first and your best? That's the test. Will you give God your first and your best. Leviticus 27.30 says this, Now all the tithe of the land, of the seed of the land, of the fruit of the tree, it's the Lord's. It's holy to the Lord. See, this is the principle that we see in the Old Testament. The tithe, where the, the first 10% always went to the Lord. Now remember, this was an agrarian society, and so the, there... 
their income and their wealth was primarily, not completely, but primarily derived from crops, agriculture, livestock. And so God said to them, he said, the first 10%, that's set apart for me. In fact, the word tithe actually means 10%. In Malachi 3, 8, and 9, the nation has slipped into a pretty awful state. And in Malachi 3, this is what God speaks. He says, will a man rob God, yet you're robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings, and you're cursed with a curse, for you're robbing me, the whole nation of you. What were they robbing God of? Like, is God like, oh my gosh, where's that hundred bucks I had? Did you, did you, did somebody take that? What were they robbing God of? They were robbing God of the opportunity to show himself faithful and to pour out blessings. I thought that tithing was an Old Testament principle. Well, actually, it is very much so. It's an Old Testament principle. In fact, we see that it predates the law, the giving of the law at Mount Sinai by God to Moses and the nation of Israel, because Abraham, way before Moses, Abraham gave 10% to God as a sacrifice and an offering. It's a big deal. In fact, the number 10, do you know what it represents? Hmm, I don't know. How many commandments are there? 10. Uh, plagues in Egypt, you've probably seen the Prince of Egypt. So how many commandments? 10. Plagues in Egypt, how many, how many plagues? 10 plagues. How many lepers were healed by Jesus when they came? Uh, 10. How many of the virgins that were told to be ready for the bridegroom coming, how many were there? 10. How many disciples did Jesus have? He had, he had 12. He had 12. I hope you were thinking 10, though, because then it would be funny. The number 10 is the number of testing. And God's heart for you is to be blessed, but he wants to know that your heart is completely his. And the test is, will you set aside the first and the best to him? This is a principle this isn't part of the Ten Commandments. This is the principle. And last week I asked the question, how many of you are blessed? And I imagine that a lot of you are like, wow, I really am blessed. As a nation, we are outrageously blessed. We are still the wealthiest nation on the face of the earth. We have an amazing standard of living. We have an awesome country. I know that it's going through the ringer right now, both politically and socially. However, we still live in an unbelievably blessed, blessed country. The average and here's the good news. Here's really good news. The average American gives 3.1% of their income to charities. That's substantial. That's really good news. Here's the bad news. And it is for most Christians, sadly. That's probably more than you give. Maybe not. And if not, that's awesome. You understand and you're the one that's going, that's right. Preach on, baby, because it's true. Because the principle, it's not a Ten Commandment, but it is a principle that we can trust God. This is the test. Americans give 3.1% of their income to charities. But you want to know what's interesting to me? Is that the average attender at church, the average, gives 1.7%. Isn't that fascinating? You want to know what else is fascinating? Those that live on less than $10,000 a year, that is extreme poverty in the United States, right? Do you know that on average, they give 5.2% of their income every year? 
They give it to charitable organizations. Those who make more than $200,000 a year, 0.7% of their income. Isn't that shocking? Why is that? Because money's a test. And if you think that getting more money is going to bring more security, more freedom, more significance, more power, you're missing it. I promise you're missing it. God's heart is for you to trust him. Here's the blessing of the tithe. What happens when I go, Lord, I'm going to give you my first and my best. Here's what happens. Number one, it provides for God's work through his church. As a church, and we're a medium-sized church, but since 2020, our church has given over $570,000 to reach our community and the world. That we've given over, think about that, that's a lot of money, 500, as, as I had the report generated by our CFO this, this week, how much have we given, how much have we given to local and foreign missions since 2020? $570,000. I was like, wow, we've given a lot. That's awesome. And I can't tell you all of the stories. I don't have time right now. And some of it hadn't come out yet. But let me tell you, we are blessed. Our church is blessed. And it's because generosity is our game plan. It's part of what we live. It's what we do. Why? Because I know this truth. You can't outgive God. It provides for God's work through his church. Malachi 3.10. Remember 3.8.9. You can rob me in tithes and offerings. Robbing God from what? Not the money. The opportunity for him to prove this principle of blessing is true. In 3.10, he says this. He says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there's food in my house. A healthy church is a giving church. Look, I don't know where you've come from. I don't know where you go to church, but I know this. The church was designed to be a giving entity. We are called to give life, to bring life. And if we can't help and financially, like, what are we doing? Do we love money? We better watch that because the church is full of people. My question is, where's your heart? Are you able to trust God with your first and your best? I'm not preaching this and like living another like, I'm preaching this and, like, living it out and have been. And I've come from a family that does as well. Like, I, I'm so honored and blessed in that. And let me tell you right now, my family's blessed. Why? Because God is true to his word. The blessing of the tithe provides for God's work through his church. The second thing, tithing increases my faith in God. When we came to, to plant the church years ago, I, I wasn't making much money where I was coming from at all. Uh, it was enough, though, and we were always givers. And we had lived in, in, a, in a house um, that we got a really good deal, and it was a great house in Broussard, Louisiana. It wasn't a big house. It was um, a three-bedroom, two-bath. wasn't wasn't very big, but it was in a, in a nice little neighborhood. And we sold that and made some money, but we moved into my, my grandmother's house because she'd been placed into a nursing home because uh, we couldn't, she required 24-hour care. And we, we stayed there rent-free for about a year in, in exchange for renovating the house. And so we did that. I can fix anything, renovate anything. We did that. And it was during that time that, that God had called us to plant a church in Lake Charles. And we were really excited because we had sold our house for a good profit, like way more than I made in a year. And I was like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do with this? We're going to be able to have a great down payment for a home. Like it, it was, it was wonderful to be out of debt 
and be completely like solvent with a big chunk for a nice home. And then we came to Lake Charles and found a building for a million dollars and had to raise 200. We're going to finance 800,000 and raise $200,000. And I told the Lord, I said, Lord, whatever, whatever the variance is, we can't raise out of that 200. I'm going to give it out of that nest egg. My wife and I prayed. We knew that God was with us. How much do you think we were short? Almost down to the dollar. We had to empty our account. We had something like 7 or $13 left, but it was less than $20 to our name. And we wrote the biggest check I'd ever written in my life to sow into the church. And it was a joy. It was scary. It was scary, but it was a joy because I 100% knew because I'd lived it, that God's principle of giving was true. It increased my faith to the, to the level that I could zero my account. I'm not asking you to do that. God's not asking you to do that. I mean, maybe if he is, you better be talking to some people and confirming that. That's, a, that's, that's something you don't do on a whim. I'd had years of living by faith, not just tithing, but giving above that. And I knew that God was faithful. You know, in 2 Corinthians 9, it says this, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. Verse 7, and this is key because I, don't want, I want you to get a proper perspective on God's heart for you. You need to, he- to hear this. I hope you're tuning in to hear this. Verse 7, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. Do, do you see that? That's 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6, 7, and 8. You must decide in your heart how much to give, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves one who gives cheerfully. Oh, you're telling me I have to give 10%? No, I'm telling you the principle that God will bless if you can decide in your heart with a joyful heart, God, I trust you, and you do it joyfully. It may be a little freaky and scary. I know what that's like, but I also know what it's like to decide. We decided, now we didn't think that'd come to pass. We had faith that God was going to provide, and he did. He provided that building. We didn't know that it was through us. (laughs) And so I remember praying with Lisa and like, we're just going to give whatever the variance. And I was so certain that we were, it, but you know what? It all worked out. Like, yes, we ended up with less than 20 bucks in our accounts, like checking and savings. We, we had nothing, uh, just a few dollars. But you know what? What a joy because we had decided. We knew it was the Lord. We had faith and he came through and he's blessed us. I have nothing to complain about. I'm so blessed, blessed beyond measure. Because tithing increased my faith in God. Malachi 3, 11 and 12 says this, I'll rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruit of the ground, nor will your vine in the field cast its grapes, says the Lord of hosts. All the nations will call you blessed, for you shall be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. I've lived that. It's very true. The last thing. 
Tithing teaches me to put God first because the principle of tithing was always the first 10%, the first of the flock, the first of the crops. I have a question. If you give the firstborn, because it was that's what it was, it was the firstborn of their flocks. If you give the firstborn, do you know if any more is going to come? If you give the first of what you harvest, do you know that there's not going to be a storm between that first 10% and the next 10% or a fire or a flood? Because tithing increases your faith, but tithing teaches me to put God first. By the way, it's a double test. It's a double test because God says, test me now in this Malachi 3.10. The the second part, the B part says, test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I'll not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. It's a test. Will you put God first? I don't know if I can do that. That 10%, that, that's, a, that, that's a lot of money. No, it can be. But remember, 2 Corinthians 9, what is God calling you to give? I don't know if I can do 10%. Can you do half a percent? Can you do 1%? What do you have faith for? What can you do cheerfully? Because God is a God who is one you can trust my, my question is, are you going to put him to the test? Because tithing is a test, but it's the only time that God says in the whole Bible that he says, test me now in this. The only place in all of the Bible when he says, test me now in this. Will you put him to the test? Like I, my wife and I give way more than 10% because we know, like we know that God is with us and we're blessed because we give. But where are you? Everybody is, I want to be more blessed. Jesus, remember, in Acts we say, Jesus says, it's better to give than to receive. So many people take the, they take the, the, the selfie with the new car, like, ah, blessed life. And I'm like, that's cool. I'm glad you got a, a new car. Everybody loves getting a new car. But it's not about receiving. It's about giving. And God's saying, trust me. Test me now on this. Can you? Maybe, maybe, I don't know if I can do it. I want to. I, I can give 2% cheerfully. Well, let me tell you, then do that. And then watch your faith grow because God is a God who is faithful. And he's especially faithful and blesses those who are faithful to him. It requires faith to give first. I've been married for over 25 years. My wife doesn't want my leftovers. Give first, because God wants you to trust him. He'll provide for the rest. And he gave first. For God so loved the world that he gave, because love always gives. Love always gives. Why do relationships go sideways? Because somebody's trying to take, or somebody has taken. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, whoever believes in him won't perish, but will have everlasting life. There is life and living open-hearted. Lord, here's my heart. Here's all of me and open-handed. God, everything I have is yours. Here's the truth. The 10% doesn't belong to him. The 100% does. And the 10% is 
is a reminder. Lord, you're my source. You're my source of security. You're my source of freedom. I find significance in you. You are all powerful and I surrender to you. Maybe you need to pray a prayer of surrender in your life with money because you're enslaved to it. It's a horrible thing. Whether you're wealthy, whether you're poor, if money has your heart and you live in fear rather in faith, knowing that God is a God of abundance, the devil got a budget and he's coming after it with you. I'm not saying don't have a budget. You should be a good steward. This whole series is about you being a good steward. But you got to know that God's a God of abundance. He is your source, your source of life, your source of forgiveness, your source of peace, your source of freedom surrender to him. Maybe you're here and you're listening and you're going, money's got a hold of my heart. The truth is, this is a revelation of where God doesn't. Surrender to him. And if that's you, I want to pray with you. Just pray with me. Say, dear, dear Jesus, I surrender my heart to you. I don't want to be enslaved to anything. Not to money, not to anything else. God, I I open my heart to you. My life is yours. Lord, I open my hands to you. Everything I have is yours. I surrender to you. In your name I pray, amen. And that sincere prayer is the heart of living blessed. Love you guys. See you all next week. God bless.